Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for my favorite show of all time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. As of this recording, I am 339 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you start by introducing yourself to the listeners? All right. Well, my name is Brian. I am an alcoholic. I've been sober. I'll have 12 years on May 16th. Identify as he, they, and... Excellent. And so let's jump into it then with a thick of what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like, if you can tell us what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Yeah, I sure will. Let's see. Well, I... I, 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 I'm trying to explain my sobriety. So I was sober for 17 years. I was out for six and now I'm back for 12. So I, I never know how to tell my story. So I'll, I'll do like the first chunk sort of first chunk sort of was I came into the program when I was 18. I, I was definitely, definitely needed it. I basically my parents were like, you can't come back home. And I didn't have anywhere to go. And somehow I ended up in this rehab, which I remember I didn't want to go to. So I didn't, I went in, I signed up, I left that night. I was like, there's no way. And then I went back the next day, really only because I had no choice. And then I I got sober. And I think at the time I was like the youngest person in like the area. And I really loved that. It made me feel super special. And I think I got right into gay AA too, when I was, when I was new. And then basically those 17 years were, I really didn't do the steps. I had a sponsor who I basically just didn't do anything except hung had the fellowship. So, but what my, what those 17 years gave me was I, I was able to go to college. I graduated summa cum laude. I went to the number one film school in the world. I graduated and made a, a movie that I wrote a movie and directed a movie that got into Sundance. Like it was, it gave me a lot. But what happened was when I made when I when I when I graduated from grad school and I'd done this movie, I thought, okay, I, my life looks normal now. Like if people looked at me, not super close, it would feel like a normal person. Like someone went to grad school, did, 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 had some success. 
And I was obsessed with it. So I was out with an actor and they said, what are you most afraid of? And I said, drinking. And they said, you should have a drink. And I did. I was like, okay, that made sense to me. I remember, I didn't have it right away. I remember we like planned it. We went out to dinner at this restaurant in Los Angeles and I had two glasses of wine. Nothing happened. And I felt like, oh, fuck. Okay, thank God I'm not alcoholic. (laughs) So then I, but I remember on the drive home, I thought, oh, I'm going to get drunk and I can't be weird about it because people get drunk. And so, you know, you're not an alcoholic. I don't know what I thought would happen when I took a drink. I think I probably, like a lot of people, just thought I'd be instantly homeless and like strung out, running around naked or something. Um, so, so the six years I was out, I want to say the first three years were, you know how they say fun, fun with problems, problems? Mm-hmm. Like it was like fun, fun and a half, <laughs> than problems. So the first three years were like, okay. And then I think what happened for me was I had the full uh, adventure of alcoholism in those six years. Like when I came in at 18, you know, I could only have gotten into so much trouble. But then when I, when I came back, I mean, when I was in the, when I went, went back out drinking, I was, I had the whole experience. So I went from being one of Outfest, one of Out Magazine's 100 people to like living in my, this, this loft downtown LA being, it was trashed. I was completely isolated. I was scared and I couldn't stop drinking. Like, and I couldn't go to AA either. I couldn't go back. Like I tried, but I couldn't. And I thought like, if I, I thought because I knew about AA, I'd be able to go back. You know, like, oh, things got bad. I'll go back. That does not, that does not, that's not how it worked for me. It was like, oh shit, I'm just stuck in this and I can't get out. <clears throat> so why is this person calling me? Let me just cancel this. I'm going to do a pause. <laughs> so anyway, so finally I had just like one minute. So I went from like being, having, being super successful doing the pilot for this major show, doing another pilot, doing other TV, to only working once or twice a year, to not being able to get a job for three years. And I was living off residuals. And basically, I burned everything down. Everything that I had um, created or accomplished, destroyed. <laughs> In the biggest way you could possibly destroy it. And so I came back, So I, but I still couldn't, none of that mattered. I remember sitting in, in my house and drinking and going like, oh shit, you are living your dream and that is not enough to stop you from doing this. Like you're going to ruin this and you can't stop. And it, for me, it wasn't about like reaching out and getting help. It was I would reach out. I would go to meetings uh, probably once or twice a year, and I couldn't do it. It just was not happening. So that was a huge lesson for me. So how I stopped was I, I'll, ne- I'll never forget, I had, 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 I, had a, I had a half bottle of vodka, and I had drank half of it, and I wasn't drunk. And I was like, fuck. And it, that scared me more than anything. So I... I had like one second, they say in the program, like you have window, like a window opens and you go through and you never know when that window is going to open again. So I had like one second where I was like, I'm ready to do this. And I went to a meeting. I lived in downtown Los Angeles. So I went to a meeting downtown Los Angeles 
I was still getting high on the weekends because I couldn't, I was like, I'm not doing all of it. I'll do a lot. And I was too scared to be honest with you. I just was too scared to like, look at my life sober. I could, I could stay sober that week because the meeting was every noon, Monday through Friday, but I didn't go to a meeting. I was so scared. I was so scared. Someone would, would see, I would see, run into someone who knew I was sober outside of that community. So I only went to that one meeting. Um, so I don't know, three months in, whatever, a month in, I don't remember. Someone said, Hey, my life got better when I stopped getting high too. And in that split second, I wanted better. And so I stopped getting high. And I remember like, I think I, I don't think I slept for like 16 days. It was terrible. In fact, I called my dealer. I was like, I'm going to, I can't do this. But then what I did is I couldn't call people. I couldn't call people, but I, what I could do is I knew New York inner group, inner office, inner group was open three hours earlier than LA. So I could call them, like I talked to some anonymous person and kind of get through the night. That's how I did it. Like I'm super sneaky and <laughs> like I'll, I'll figure out a way to do it. But so then I remember when I got my sponsor, I thought, I told him, I remember saying, like, oh, I'm going to be easy because I, I've been sober before, so I kind of know this is <laughs> not going to be that big of a deal. Don't worry about me. And what I didn't realize was like I was batshit crazy. Like I literally locked myself in my loft for three years. I remember when I went to a mall, the fashions had changed. I was like, I could, I was like, oh fuck, you are out of it. You do not know what's going on. And then also I was like really gung-ho and I would like force people to go to meetings. I'd drive everybody to meeting. And if they hated the meeting, I'd be resentful. And I would run through stoplights and it was pretty bad. All right. So and then in sobriety, I could not get a job for three years. Um, which was just so it's been, it was like six years now of not being able to work. And what happened was I had to surrender, a, a second surrender where I was like, okay, I'll give up. I'll do whatever you want. You know, I'll just do whatever. And part of a big thing for me was I had done the steps now. I'd done all the way up four, five, six, seven, which I didn't know what that meant, but I kind of did them. And then it was time to do eight, nine, which uh, there's sea lions behind me. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can hear them, but so eight and nine. And then, so I surrendered and I started, I did my eight, nine and started making phone calls and started going to have those meetings. And I want to say very shortly after that, I got a call out of nowhere to direct a TV show in Vancouver where they didn't ask me where I'd been. They didn't ask me what I'd been up to. (laughs) I was scared to death. I forgot, like I'd live in, I lived in such like, I mean, you know, it's so poor and so broken that I remember, like, I forget that they fly you first class, they put you in a five-star hotel and people pick you up and it's like a whole thing. Um, and I remember walking into the hotel, hotel room and just breaking down and crying because I just couldn't believe that I was there. And so what happened was like so, sort of simultaneously with my work, I, I did a great job. I was of service. I got people's advice in the program about how do I stay sober on directing a TV show? Because you, what people I don't always think realize is like you're working 12 to 14 hours a day, 16 hours a day. So there's not going to be a meeting. And someone said, 
someone who was a director said, you're not going to be able to go to meetings. You just need to like fucking calm down. It's like, oh, that's okay. He's like, but what you can do is you can work a program while you're working. And so what that meant for me was I did a, 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 I did a gratitude list every night. I still do. I did, I do a nightly inventory. I talked to my sponsor. And now obviously I talk to my sponsees and stuff when I'm working. But so, you know, I sort of did a good job in my, my work life and I did a good job in my creative life and I did, I'm sorry, in, in my uh, sobri- sober life. And, and I guess what I can say now, so, so I've finished the steps, I have sponsees. I, I think what happened to me probably in the past three years was for me, I was like doing all this work and I still wasn't feeling like enough or good enough or I still felt like I do all this stuff and it's not enough. And I do all this work in the program, but I'm just not quite getting there. I'm defective is what it felt like. And so I started going to another program called ACA, which is adult children and alcoholics, which is, it doesn't mean your parents are alcoholic. It just means if your family is dysfunctional. And for me, that kind of gave me like the, kind of key to where it all started. So I feel like I have my recovery and then I have this thing where essentially for me, ACA is basically the voice inside your head isn't your fault. This is the voice your parents gave me. And I thought that voice inside my head was me. (laughs) I, and so, you know, this judgmental, self-critical, afraid, person was just all information someone else gave me and so i almost had instant relief once i went to that program so i worked that program really hard i'm in another program you know so i do the best i can i I, i'm lucky to say i got my i don't know if i'm lucky to say i feel very grateful i got my career back and i i think the the other thing that has always been kind of surprising to me is that it's an adventure like it doesn't get boring like I'm, I still feel like I'm a new human to the world. Like my experience as the human that I am today is different than it was, you know, a year ago, two years ago, two weeks ago. And I think that's really interesting because I, I think my first, I remember my first sobriety, like those first 10 years slogged, like it was like really slow. I mean, yes, I did a bunch of stuff, but it felt like a really long time. And then this 10 years was like, I don't even know what happened. I mean, it's so I think, I think when you're actively participating or when I'm actively participating in my sobriety, you know, what all that means, you know, and whatever that means to me, it's an adventure and it's pretty good. And sometimes it's bad. And sometimes it can be good and bad simultaneously, which is what I'm learning this year. Like you can feel this way, but you can also feel this way and it can be simultaneous. Like I thought things had to be mutually exclusive for some reason. So that's basically my life and sobriety. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And during your share, you did touch on some of the the success and the newfound adventures you found in sobriety. What what would you say are some of the most surprising positive changes you've had? Well, it's interesting. My changes are more like I'm not afraid of everybody. I'm, um, I can say no. 
I, I mean, like the big stuff is like, I, I was just thinking uh, if I had told people I work with, I, my big thing is I just uh, was executive producer, producing director on the new Queerest Folk for Showtime, which is coming out June 9th, I think, which is totally sobriety, you know, just, just to be able to like somehow go from this person who was, you know, I got evicted, evicted and lost everything and blah, 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 to having this like whole second chance. So like, like on the, on the outside, that is something that, uh, probably looks good, but really it's, it's mostly about like, Oh, I went to visit my parents and, you know, I let them have their life and I didn't have to like, feel like everything they said affected me, even though sometimes it did, but not really a lot. I'm adopted and I met my whole entire birth family and I was able to kind of meet them as I am, not who I was trying to present myself to be, or, you know, I, I, you know, like the fact that I got up this morning and did work with my writing partner and then I went to the beach and then I go running and biking and like I have like a very beautiful life. But I also know that it could go like that just because I think I'm never going to drink again does not mean anything. I had a really close friend who was the first person that I saw when I came back who I knew in my old sobriety. And they were super cool about it. They were just like, great. They're awesome. And they, and they pulled me out of the downtown meetings and they took me to all these meetings all around, you know, where I lived and they would slip me a hundred bucks, you know, they would tuck it in my pocket. They, when I was my old sobriety, they gave me, while I was waiting for my movie to get made, they gave me a job as a house painter, like someone who's super special. And they went back out and they burnt alive in, a, in their trailer in the middle of the desert because they went back out again. And that is like, fuck this disease. Like, and I can't tell you, I mean, I know so many people that have died and people said that to me early on and it just seems so abstract, like and it shocks me. And uh, and it's all, it's a man, I don't want to say it's all, but it's a lot of people that you think thought we're doing fine, you know? And the, I'm, I'm sure that didn't answer your question, but. <laughs> it, it certainly helped and it was good to hear. I, I know like early on in my sobriety, someone from within the rooms passed away. They, they passed away sober, but it also just, I remember just the, it was like shattering for me being like, oh, even, even if we're sober, it doesn't mean like every problem is fixed and that life won't still happen or throw you curveballs. We're real. Yeah. Now, how do you feel your, your sexuality played a role in your addiction? No, I have a couple of thoughts about this. I feel like I'm an alcoholic because my body processes alcohol differently. Like that's why I'm an alcoholic. But why I turned to alcohol, food, money, sex, fame, all of that stuff was because I was trying to fill something inside of me. Uh, I was trying to get validation from everything. I was trying to soothe myself. And so I think that if I wasn't an alcoholic, I would have turned to alcohol no matter what. I just don't think I would have become an alcoholic. I don't, I don't know if that's true. That's just what my theory. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I went to, I went to a, um, went to Catholic elementary school and evangelical high school. Like I had issues about sex, you know, I was very confusing to me. So I think all my, my early experiences were sex. I was drunk. And then when I got sober, 
I don't know. I mean, the first time I got sober, I mean, I think I basically just dated like every single person in the in the program mm-hmm. that was remotely appropriate. And then the second time coming back, I didn't date at all. So I think that's. I don't. I don't think either are all that good. I think the. I think the good news is in in this sobriety, it's like I know that I'm okay by myself. Like I don't need to have someone there, which is something I always did. But now, yeah. And do you do you have any struggles, or do you find like it, it finding your place in the community now? Yeah, definitely. I was very scared to do this job because um, you know I kind of I got sober when I came back to sobriety. I, it was sort of straight AA, and I sort of hit out there. I in terms of food, I had gained 150 pounds, so I was not interested in eating, dating. So yeah, I kind of kept everything at dis. Every everyone, had, I didn't have to. I didn't want to put my. Um, I didn't want to put myself emotionally at risk, so I did. I kept a lot of walls up, and so over the pandemic, I started going to OA and lost 150 pounds, and um, and then this job came up. And it's like, fuck, like, I'm so scared to go. I, I'm so scared to go and be on a show that's, you know, that's, I, I, you know, I've, I'm used to being on a show where I'm like the only gay person <laughs> or there's like one other person. So, yeah. And then, and it was great. I was like, oh, fuck, this is, these are my people. Like I, I can, this is, oh shit, this feels good. I'm like not scared, and it was like, it felt, it felt, it felt almost. This is was weird. It felt almost like when you when I first came to AA and I felt like I was home. I felt the same thing, and I was not expecting that. So it was fantastic. And then I think with coming back to Los Angeles after the job, I go to this meeting at, in at the beach, and I remember when I first started going, it's like oh, it's all fucking straight people again, you know? Like I'm still. And then all of a sudden I realized like, yeah, like they're half the people are gay. <laughs> so I don't know. I want to say sobriety seems like a process of being who you are, becoming who you are, but I don't know if that's entirely true. I feel like it's more like going back to who you are and not becoming who you are. Mm-hmm. Who you are. It's like, it's something about me going back to where I started, not where I think I should be. I don't, I don't know. It's very, you know, I, I'm very slow. <laughs> I'm very slow. Yes. Well, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who is sober, curious, or freshly sober, what would it be? Well, it's such a weird, I mean, it's, it's, everyone has such their own journey. I guess it would be to be okay with your sobriety especially your first year and your curiosity about it be okay with it being messy and not like it's just gonna be messy like i was a messy fucking human being and i think what gave me comfort when i came back was i don't know how to do this so just for this year i'm gonna trust that i'm gonna be taken care of I don't think I believe this, but I know in trying to go to sleep tonight, I'm going to just believe it. I'm going to pretend like I believe this because, because it was messy. I had a lot of, I had a lot of mess to clean up mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't know, who, I didn't know anything. I was out of my mind. So I would say be okay with the messiness. 
and, and also don't listen to anyone who tells you stuff that's not in the big book. Like it always drives me crazy when people say things like don't date your first year. I think it's a really, really, really good idea not to date your first year, but it's not in the big book. It's not a, in fact, there's a story in the big book. I love this guy was like super drunk and he was off alcoholic. And then his girlfriend was like the bartender and then she got sober. And then they're like these messes who went on to live this amazing life. And like, like if they had someone had said, don't get your first year to these two people. I mean, it's just, so that stuff makes me, <laughs> that stuff I think I would be really careful of. It, it gave me a good reason to read the big book and to be like, wait a sec, is this like just a good idea or something that somebody says, or is this like something that is in the book? It helped me, it helped me to be able to like, to have something that I could turn to and say, this is in here. I'm not sure if even that's right anymore, but when I was new, it was, it was very important. Oh, for sure. I've even found it very helpful during my first year going through it. And now I'm going through it like chapter by chapter with my sponsor. Yeah. And in recovery, speaking of the book, we typically love finding steps, traditions, or sayings that we kind of fall in love with. Do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you like to try and live by? Yeah, I think it's probably, they're all good, really, honestly. Like, I, I think when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking one day at a time, because what it's come to it, what I love about the program is it just changes, right? So when I was newly sober, it meant like just don't drink today. And now it means, oh, you know what? Today is not going to be a good day. I just don't know why. I can't get out of it. I can't like pray myself out of it. I can't make a phone call. I can't, my sponsor can't get me out. I'm just in a shit mood. And and it's going to pass. One day, it'll be over. Usually by the next day, I'm fine. So that was really helpful. Live and let live, live is so something i really love too you know especially at work <laughs> mm-hmm. um those probably probably keep it simple keep it simple is probably a good one yeah I, all they're all good i mean you, honestly you can't really argue with any of them <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and tell the listeners more if they want to find you or support you how, how to get in touch Oh, you can find me on Instagram at BP Danelli, D-A-N-N-E-L-L-Y. Um, I think you met me on my other one. It's me trying to be sexy one, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I'll keep that a secret then. And I'll put the public one in the show notes. And thank you listeners for listening. Please make sure you rate and review if you found this information helpful. If you're interested in sharing your story like Brian here, getting involved with the show or just saying hi, you can always email me at gayapodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at gayapodcast. And be sure to follow us wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes when they come out every Monday and Thursday. Until next time, stay sober, friends.